Hello, and welcome to Ground Control Parenting, a blog and now a podcast created for parents raising black and brown children. I'm the creator and your host, Carol Sutton Lewis. In this podcast series, I talk with some really interesting people about the job and the joy of parenting. Today, I am so happy to welcome Naima Keith to the podcast. Naima is Vice President of Education and Public Programs at LACMA, which stands for the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Before joining LACMA, she was the Deputy Director and Chief Curator at the California African American Museum, and prior to that, she was an Associate Curator at the Studio Museum in Harlem, which is how I came to know her. And she started her curating career at the Hammer Museum in LA. Naima holds degrees from Spelman College and UCLA, and is a proud native of Los Angeles. She and her husband, Eduardo Soriano Hewitt, have two children, Ella and Evan. Welcome to Ground Control Parenting, Naima. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. As you know, I'm a huge fan, so I was honored when you asked me to join the podcast. And I am so thrilled that you're with me. And the first thing I have to ask, because I neglected to do this beforehand, please tell me Ella and Evan's ages. I would guess, but I'm bad with guessing young (laughs) children's ages. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Ella is seven and Evan is four. Great. Well, thank you and welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to this chance to talk with you about parenting, as I know you to be a busy working mom raising two adorable little ones, but also to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is art education. Mm -hmm. And so I want to start with just talking about you and and how you were raised and parented. So I know that you are an Angelino. Yes. Sort of, I know that you are a a proud Angelino. (laughs) Where in Los Angeles did you grow up? So I grew up in an area called Ladera Heights. It's about, let's say, 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes from the airport. It's a predominantly African-American neighborhood. So all around me, I grew up around all black people (laughs) um, owning homes. And it was just an amazing neighborhood to grow up in because home ownership and the value in owning a home was seen as a rule, not an exception. And so I grew up in Ladera, um, but I actually grew up three miles from my grandparents who grew up in, in Baldwin Hills. And so I grew up a lot around a large numbers of my family who were also in Los Angeles. So wait, that you're at least third generation Angelino? Well, so my grandmother actually came to Los Angeles from Detroit. Uh, my grandparents came mm-hmm. from, from Detroit mm-hmm. in the 50s. And so my mom technically was born in Detroit, but she came out when she was very, very young. And so she pretty much grew up in L.A., so I like to say that I'm a second generation Angelino, but we do have, you know, long, deep roots here in LA. And so tell me this. So you are, I know the answer to this question, mm-hmm. but I want to ask about your introduction to art. And when <laughs> I say I know, it's because I know your mom <laughs> and I know that she was a part of it. Why don't you tell me though about how you came to know, uh, how you came to appreciate art? So yes, a lot of people know my mother, uh, Joy Simmons, uh, because she's a very active, you know, collector and supporter of the arts. When we were kids, she would drag us to museums and galleries all over the city, all over the country, really. Um, she often tells me a story about how she brought me to New York when I was just weeks old um, to go to a Betty Saar opening in New York. Oh. And so, you know, the idea that I have been around the arts and around artists for my entire life is true. To be honest, I didn't really discover my own passion for art and art history until I went to Spelman. You know, besides being an art collector, my mom also has a very deep and long relationship with Stanford. And so Stanford University, she was a trustee and, mm-hmm. and very active in the, in the black community. And because of that, I wanted to go the opposite direction <laughs> than Stanford. <laughs> and uh, But I honestly, I fell in love with, with Spelman for many reasons. But when I went to Spelman, I you know took an art history course because it's required. And that's when the spark, the light, 
you know, went on. Um, I realized, mm -hmm. you know, not only was I hearing about artists that I met or grew up with, such as Betty Saar or other Los Angeles-based artists, but I also learned just so much about how the contribution of African-American artists. I just didn't fully understand. Like, it's one thing to kind of mm -hmm. grow up around art, and it's one thing to mm -hmm. to meet artists and to understand their value and what their their contributions. But it's another thing to kind of think about it in a larger context of art history. And I think it was really mm -hmm. at that point where I realized, you know what? I don't really want to be an econ major <laughs> um, that I initially <laughs> went into. I thought I was going to be an accountant, actually. And so, you know, I thought I was going to be an accountant. I was good at math and all these things. And I got to Spelman and took the art history course. And again, a light bulb went off. Because I think for me, what was exciting is about art in general is that there's no right answer, right? That we can both look mm. at the same work of art and have a completely different understanding and experience. You can come back to something and still be moved and challenged. And you just don't get that same, maybe some people do get that same excitement from math or <laughs> audits or taxes or whatever else. But I didn't, you know, it was more of a getting to an, a means to an end. So I changed my major. Mm -hmm. And despite my mom's long history in arts and, and collecting, when I called her to tell her that I was changing my major, she was traumatized. Like, she was like, I'm sorry? Like, I, <laughs> that was not what we were sending you to Spelman to do. You know, that kind of <laughs> attitude. We, so. we should we should say here that this is Dr. Joyce. And, yes, and so yes. your mom is a, is a doctor <laughs> who has had a long and impressive career in medicine. And so, yeah, having hearing you say... <laughs> I'm going to do art. Yes. <laughs> was, was, <laughs> a bit of a shock. A bit of right? a shock. Because for her, she's like, oh, yes, I chose the more practical career of being a doctor and I support the arts in my quote unquote free time. And she kind of anticipated or, or I guess thought that I would do the same thing. And so when I called her to tell her, no, no, mom, all of those gallery visits and all of those museum visits actually sunk in and I want to change my major to art and art history. It took her a long time. I'm not going to lie. It took her a long time. Uh, to, I think it's only probably recently after <laughs> years of being in the arts that she realizes that I could actually make some money or support myself um, doing this. So, Well, see, this is a really good parenting lesson because first I was going to say that first I was going to say from your mom's perspective, it's like, be careful how everyone says expose your kids. Right. Be careful because exactly. they may actually. <laughs> I, right. But the flip side is that if you are that parent and your child is going in that direction, support them because they could end up. Like Naima, they could be on, on top of the game. So. I know, right? So it is kind of funny just because, like you said, as now being a parent, you know, you really just strive to expose them to as many things as possible for them to find their own passion and their own love. And But you also want to share your own passions with them mm -hmm. and just show them what brings you joy. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, because she was a single mom that she didn't, she on some level had to drag us right to all these different things because... <laughs> She wanted to go, so she's like, you're going to, and exit, exit, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, here I am <laughs> working in a museum. So we laugh about it now, but it was, you know, yeah, <laughs> interesting I can, moment. I can only imagine. <laughs> so I actually want to get back a little to little Naima and, and you and your sister yes, together yes. with your mom going to museums. Can you remember, I, I, you talk about meeting artists, but can you remember your impressions in terms of what you thought about what you were doing. Do you remember what kind of art you saw? Did you did you understand it? Did you and your mom have conversations about what it was you're looking at? Or did you feel as if this is an important thing to do? Did you develop any sense of the importance of what you were seeing? My mom will probably kill me for saying this. <laughs> in short, no, she didn't necessarily lead us through like an art history lesson or there wasn't, you mm -hmm. know, exercises on, you know, of course, what I do now in arts education, which is like visual based learning, you know, all those kinds of things. So, you know, it's not to say that there wasn't mm -hmm. an opportunity for reflection, but it, it wasn't maybe as formal as 
what do you see? Let's talk about the colors. I mean, I'm sure when I was much younger, um, that, that was their exercise. But mm-hmm. in middle school or high school, it was more of, you know, I, I've been following this artist or I really love what they're doing with this material or I really want to support this artist because they've been working for a long time and maybe haven't gotten a larger recognition. So I think as a collector, I think, or having a mom that's a collector, it was really about supporting artists. It was really about, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're going to go to this opening and drive out 45 minutes or an hour. We're going to go to this museum or whatever else because we want to support the artists. I I own a piece of their work. I bought something very early in their career. And, you know, you just don't buy something and then stop supporting them. Like it's an ongoing lifelong commitment. And so for us, it was Mm -hmm. about, I think what we learned is that you... Collecting, yes, is a passion and it's certainly something that she valued and we loved, obviously, growing up around art. But she was also really big about supporting artists and letting them know that as a collector that she was willing to like, show up at their openings and connect them with different people and you know, just let them know that she was a, a visible and active supporter. Mm-hmm. So for her, mm-hmm. I think the subtle lesson was just around supporting artists, less about mm-hmm. you know, talking through the, maybe the intricacies or nuances of the work itself. But it seeps in. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say something that hopefully your mom will listen and she will be happy <laughs> to hear this because I'm going to suggest that that was actually a good thing that she did in terms of your career path because it sounds like you have a really good perspective on, or you came to this work with a really good perspective on how one could spend time around art with not really yes. keyed in on a very strong appreciation for it. And then you develop that appreciation later. And now that you sit in the seat of trying to encourage, and I'm, I'm really thinking about parents and their mm-hmm. kids, trying to encourage people to come to the museum, it, it seems as if you would have a real view into what's necessary mm-hmm. to engage. That's so because true. You, yeah. you know what it's like to yeah. be on the other end. Yeah. I honestly hadn't thought yeah. about it like that. So thank you. I will certainly steal that, Carol. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, just to say that, you know, I think... Now watching families going through the museum space and, and feeling this pressure, right, to answer every question correctly or know exactly, you know, how to describe a work of art or, you know, when, when kids ask, you know, mommy, why did they do this? Or why is it this color? Mm-hmm. You, know, you can see the, the anxiety or the fear on the, on the parents' face because they're trying to figure out like, okay, look, I'm just showing up just like you are <laughs> to this museum. And so, yes, I think that just exposing kids to art and just letting them kind of take it in and appreciate it for themselves without necessarily trying to force any sort of understanding or explanation about a work of art is, like you said, is a way of experiencing, right, the museum space in a way that doesn't, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. force, a, you know, a, a certain type of experience, right? So, I, like I said, I just, I hadn't thought of this, and thank you for, for thinking about it like that. But yeah, no, I had... <laughs> I was just kind of like, you know, as a kid, I was like, oh, God, you know, another. <laughs> I was like, you know, as a, as a kid, you're like, I want to hang out with my friends. I want to go on play date, like all these things. And it wasn't said, it doesn't mean that I didn't think what we were seeing was cool. But again, as a kid, you're mm-hmm. all you're thinking about is hanging out with your friends and mm-hmm. doing that kind of stuff, not going to an, an art opening and or hanging out, going to an artist studio. So now right, right. <laughs> it's obviously how I spend my free time. But back then it was not. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I can definitely relate because I, I've, I've said this before in the podcast. My mom was a public school teacher. She had summers off and she used the summers to just explore. We were in New York City and we would, she was a, a huge arts and culture devotee. Right. She loved art. She loved the ballet. She loved all that stuff. Wow. And I was her happy companion. Well, sometimes happy, sometimes <laughs> not as happy, but she did indoctrinate me really early. And 
And I can remember the Mona Lisa came to Met. I don't actually remember seeing the Mona Lisa, but I remember standing on a very, 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 very long line. <laughs> and I remember that part. Right. And that wasn't that much fun. But I do, I, I love talking, particularly with arts professionals, about exposing really young children to art. Yeah. And it's just because of what you said, that if you give your child the freedom to just look at things exactly. with no kind of pressure to, there is no right answer, yep. as you said. Yep. And so they get to absorb them. When I used to go to MoMA, MoMA in New York City, the Museum of Modern Art was one of my favorites because I'd spend all of my time hysterical at what was in the museum <laughs> that they were saying was art, like plaster. I remember this particularly a plaster rendition of a bus driver. Right. I mean, it was sort of like a, and, and I'm sure that was some amazing artist. Sorry, I don't remember who that was, but it's like, okay, wait a minute. Right. You're like, okay. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> but I love that the museum space and I love that you were encouraged or even you took the time to do that, right? Like you took up space to do the challenge and to think about like, why mm -hmm. is this, you know, in a museum space and, and why, um, like you said, you spent all, you know, you spent free time in that space, just kind of questioning and challenging and critiquing. And I think it's a worthwhile exercise just as much as appreciating art. A absolutely. I mean, I, I didn't voluntarily spend that time early on, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was actually, I, I was trying to figure out ways to entertain myself right. as I was. <laughs> but I say all this to say that I really encourage parents to start, I mean, literally, I took my two-month-old yeah. to the museum. Now, that was so much more for me right. than for him, but, uh, but I encourage parents to expose their kids to museum spaces as early as possible. Try to put aside all of your I mean, some of them are intimidating. Yes, I mean, some are. of them are scary. Yeah. But I, I know that you must do this as well, since you do arts education. What do you say to parents about what the benefits are? I mean, and how young do you suggest they start with taking their children to museums? Like you, I also took my son and both kids um, to museums very early. So, you know, mm -hmm. if they can go in a stroller, take them. Because again, it's just the exercise of taking them, exposing them, sharing with them. Hey, you've been going to museums since you were two months old, you know, I mean, th that's even mm -hmm, mm -hmm. great for them to hear when they're, you know, two or three or four years old, because it's like, oh, wow, get them a, you know, a kid's membership. So they feel like they're connected to the museum as well. And it's not just mommy or daddy's, you know, choice. It's like, I'm also connected to the space. Mm -hmm. But I also, I do recommend, again, asking very open-ended questions. Don't focus too much on sharing, you know, the art historical background or, you know, how this fits into the larger art historical narrative or how this is, you know, doing X, Y, and Z, especially with super young kids. Mm -hmm. Focus on getting them to talk about what they're seeing, right? What colors do you see? What shapes do you see? Does that look like a person? You know, why does it look like a person? Like all of the questions to so just start dialogues and well, you know, with older kids, like with middle schoolers or high schoolers, we ask them about what materials do you recognize? Uh, what do you think about the use of those materials? Would you use something different? You know, you can obviously you know, tailor the conversation, but I think starting with very open-ended questions, it just invites a level of, of deep looking, right? That's, that's mm -hmm. what you want. You want a level of engagement and deep looking that encourages them to think about um, and, and question uh, what they're seeing and why they're seeing it. What do you think about scale? What do you think about color? What do you, you know, there's all kinds of different types of questions you can ask um, kids of all ages to encourage a level of, of dialogue. So yeah, so that's, that's what I normally ask. And then don't feel like, you know, just, you can just kind of ask a few questions. If you're not kind of getting that interest or that, that spark from them, then just keep moving, you know, like don't mm -hmm. beat yourself up too much if they don't fall in love with the Mona Lisa, right? Like it's, it's debatable on, on why it's, you know, a masterpiece, but just to say that mm -hmm. and try different mediums. So if they're really not into painting, then 
move on to photography. If they're not into photography, you know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I always, always kind of recommend that, you know, parents take their kids to a range of different museums because what, you know, they might not like contemporary art. Maybe they like, you know, modern masters. Maybe they like, you know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. take them to a range because then they get to really see over a period of time, oh, mom, I really like X. You know, I really like the way, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, encouraging them to, to draw or to take pictures after museum is also a great way to kind of continue the visit. Take a picture, use, use your phone, you know, take a picture of the artwork that they really loved. And then, you know, when you're lunch later or, you know, dinner later, you know, do you want to make a drawing that looks like the one you saw at the museum or that kind of thing? Do you want to use your crayons and you could be your own artist? And, you know, there are ways that you can kind of continue the visit beyond your experience at the particular museum. And it just kind of, again, kind of keeps them thinking about their experience in that space. I, I really love that concept of encouraging your children to be their own artists, because so often the museums, there's such monuments on the hill yes. and that they can be for the child to suddenly think about themselves as being able to create because they ultimately museums celebrate creativity, but it's easy to forget that because you're looking at very selected vi- someone's vision of, of what's the right thing to see. Exactly. And that if a child can think of themselves as somebody who could be a creator, exactly. I mean, that's really energizing, yeah. I would think. Yes, I mean, it is. And starting that early, like encouraging that early is great because then it's kind of like, again, you're, you're making sure that they're seeing themselves in that space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I really also like that I was thinking about this and you actually said it, that parents who actually are art enthusiasts and who are really anxious to introduce their children to this world, we really have to take our egos out yes. of the process because, <laughs> you know, you, you march the child up to your all-time favorite yeah. piece and they take one look at it and like, ew, yeah. and, you know, yes. I don't, ew. And sort of it's hard not to say, this is the... Exactly. And they're just no. kind of looking at you like, uh, you know, this is confused look at you and just like this whole, I, I've seen it a million times and in my own life where I'm like, Ella, this is, you know, a work by Mark Bradford. Like, this is such and such, you know, and she's just looking at me like... Mom, you promised me ice cream. You know, like I can't. So, you know, you, you just have to understand that there, you know, there's going to be some wins and some, I don't want to say wins and losses, but just there's going to be moments where right. they're really excited about what they're seeing. And then they, you know, but it's all about, again, they're discovering their own love. So, yes, mm-hmm. definitely kind of expose them because while they're saying you, they're also looking. Right. So mm-hmm. again, I was mm-hmm. fighting my mom tooth and nail <laughs> about going to <laughs> arts events or meeting an artist. And then again, look at me now. So it's just to say that they should, you should share with them your passions, but just don't put too much uh, <laughs> stock into getting a certain type of reaction. I mean, I, you're a perfect example of how things get poured in at an early age and get sort of mixed up and then incorporated and then they come out. I mean, your mom would never have guessed when she was dragging you along that this would be something that you would make your life's work. And so parents everywhere, you know, don't be discouraged if, if whatever it is, even beyond the art world, if they're like, oh my gosh, never. And, you know, keep pouring. <laughs> don't, don't stop pouring. And I guess sort of a corollary to this, and we pretty much already said it, is that parents really need to push past whatever hesitation they may have because they may not have grown up going to yes. museums and they can be off-putting. I mean, let's be frank. I mean, yes. uh-huh. I find yes. modern art museums less off-putting because there's always some crazy thing in there that, that no two people could have the same interpretation on. Right. But, but all museums tend to be, they're quiet, they're, you know, I mean, there's aspects of it that don't feel friendly. So how would you encourage parents to sort of try to what could they do? Are they, are they, should they get guidebooks? I mean, if I'm new to the museum concept, like what's going to make me feel more comfortable once I get there? So funny enough, that's actually one of my passions is to think about accessibility and thinking about mm-hmm. how to make people more comfortable in the museum space. 
see the museum space is not just, you know, for a certain demographic of people or a certain echelon of people, um, that everyone should feel both welcome and encouraged to go to museums. So just to say that, you know, one of my, one of the reasons why I kind of have moved from kind of strictly curatorial to or, or curating exhibitions to now museum education is because I saw over and over and over again how, you know, my friends or, you know, just people that I would know would come to museums to support me and what I was doing, but then would admit, Naima, I've never been to this museum, or I haven't been back since you had that one show. And it just really kind of got me thinking about the museum space as a whole. So there's all different kinds of ways, but it's just to say most museums have some sort of, you know, family programming, whether or not it's drawing activities or free art workshops. I would say majority of museums have workshops like that. Um, that's a kind of fun way to kind of loosen things up, get you and your kid kind of engaged in, in what's on view. Usually the arts activities are based on exhibitions. So they'll kind of give you a little bit of information about an exhibition. You'll make an art project kind of based on that. And then you, you know, you kind of go into the museum space. So that's, that's one avenue. I would say a lot of museums, if you're really trying to, you know, be prepared or get nitty gritty, I would say a lot of museums post quite a bit of uh, materials for teachers and caregivers online. So they'll post questions and prompts that you can think about, and they'll give you kind of a brief introduction to the exhibition. And so, you know, just not relegated for teachers that, that parents can also download those things if they, again, want to have, you know, just a few tools under their belt before they go into the museum space. It is also, of course, free times. So, you know, LACMA is free after a certain time where we have a, a very large membership program for kids 17 years and younger uh, for L.A. County residents. They can bring a caregiver with them for free. Um, so there's plenty of times where you can come to the museum and, and again, you don't have the pressure of, I just paid $20, you know, a person to get in and now I have, I'm, I'm not getting a certain type of experience. So I do encourage kind of going during a free time. So again, your, your, the threshold for what your the expectations are low in terms of what you're thinking about. But as best you can, I think kind of going in, not expecting to, to know or to learn everything in one visit, right? Like just going in with an open mind and saying, you know what? I'm not going to go in putting too much pressure on myself to understand why this artist was chosen or why this, this body of work was chosen. And I'm just going to walk around and just try to, you know, if it's not appreciator, just to, just to experience the work on the wall mm -hmm. and, and start to mm -hmm. kind of formulate what you think. And if you, if an artist catches your eye, you write that name down and you may go home and Google it later. But again, as much as you can, just kind of, you know, try to, um, lower right? Your expectations around what that space is. But what I try and do every single day is, is just to reiterate to visitors and to the families that come to LACMA is that you belong here. This is your museum. And despite the, you know, doors and the tickets and all those kinds of things that this is a space for you. So yes, that's, that's certainly my life's work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. I will just add that a friend of both of ours, Sandra Jackson Dumont, who now is running the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art, I asked her a similar question and she just added one thing, which I'll repeat because I hadn't thought of it and I thought that it was very useful for parents, particularly with young children. She said, as soon as you walk into a museum, go to the information desk and ask where the bathrooms are and where the food station is. <laughs> no, very true. <laughs> so that, that way, get that on the map. And so <laughs> that will make the process a lot more enjoyable for everyone. That is true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the show. Now I want to 
pivot just a little here because this is a parenting podcast and I want to talk about <laughs> Naomi Keith, the parent. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to talk about your parenting philosophy. And first, with respect to art, I mean, you mentioned, you know, you clearly, because this is your work and your interest, you take your kids around it. I mean, do you channel your mom? How, how do you take them through the spaces? Do you, do you have an appreciation for them not particularly being interested or are they just, do they get the spark because you have the spark now? Carol, I'm going to admit something. <laughs> I have not. It's it's just us. Not even just us. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I have, and I, I I say this because I want to give permission <laughs> to other parents because I don't. I you know you listen to these podcasts sometimes. You listen to these you know like oh I do all these things right and you're like oh god I don't. <laughs> so I'm going to admit something because I I want to you know peel the curtain back. I don't take my kids as often to museums as, and galleries as I should. Um, mm-hmm. Only because they're, one, they're so young. And so I'll be, especially my son will like run around the museum and I'm like terrified of him touching something or grabbing something. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh God, you know, how am I going to explain this to my colleagues? Because, you know, I, obviously I know a lot of the people at the museum and my daughter is at the like, mom, you know, she's like rolling her eyes and, you know, she doesn't necessarily <laughs> want to be there. And so I try to implement all the exercises we just talked about. And sometimes it works. And sometimes she's like, I'm over it. But I think what I'm honestly still trying to negotiate is, you know, because I work in a museum. So unlike my mom, who was going outside of her work hours and was going to like some support artist, oftentimes when I'm in a museum space, I'm either working. So it's either <laughs> I'm taking them to a LACMA exhibition or I'm taking them to something that I'm I'm doing or I'm taking them to a friend's opening or those kinds of things. But I'm still working in a sense, because these are my colleagues. And so sometimes when I'm in those spaces, I'm talking to other colleagues or, you know, the director of the museum. And so I have to be on in a way that doesn't necessarily allow me to also be mom in the way that they want me to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So to be 100% honest, I'm still negotiating how to bring them to museums in a way that they can see and experience the work, but then <laughs> it still allows me to uh, to do what I need to do. So one of the things we've been doing is going on the weekends, but mm-hmm. it's just to say that I need to take a page from my own playbook and my mom's playbook, if you will, and just drag them and just see what happens. Okay. So first of all, Naima, I want to thank you very much, very much <laughs> for your candor, because the last thing I want parents to think is that, you know, we all do all the things that we know we're supposed to do. Yes. Even So that's the first thing. Thank you. And secondly, <laughs> I hereby absolve you. You should have no guilt about this. Because, I mean, first of all, for you to take your children to the museum is like every day is take your children to work yes, day. I, I mean, every weekend. Yes. So, so <laughs> as you said, for your mom, it was like a, a passion that distracted her happily from whatever she was doing day to day. Right. I mean, it would be like your mother taking you guys to hospitals yeah, exactly. sort of on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's not, that's not her hospital. That's not that much fun. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I definitely, I get that. I mean, what I, what I also know is that by virtue of the work you do and their grandmother, <laughs> who I'm sure has, I'm sure she has some very cool name. What do they call her? Gigi. Gigi is what they Gigi, of course they call her Gigi. <laughs> so no, she probably wouldn't so, even turn around if you yelled grandmother, but yes. <laughs> so Gigi is her name, so yeah. Between between Gigi and, and mom and dad, they are exposed. I mean, you, you I'm sure you do with them in, yes. in perhaps not in the art museum, but sort of generally speaking, the kind of exposure and sparking that will they'll be fine, don't worry about it. But I, but that also it's really good that we're talking about this because one of the reasons I do this podcast and I I don't get to have these kind of conversations that often is because 
look, we are, the goal here is not to, to nobody's perfect. Night, There's no yeah. perfect goal. I, what, what I like is to bring on people who can talk about things that work. And whether they know them professionally or whether they know them personally, because we all need inspiration. <laughs> but the flip side, the flip side is I'm a big fan of the mea culpa. Like, okay, this didn't work out. What's next? And, yeah. and what's next for you is just forgive yourself. And when they, you know, take them when you want and know that and engage Gigi. Gigi can take them to the museum. <laughs> you hear that, Gigi? No, I'm just going <laughs> well, to say yes. So I, I'm still to be, a, just, uh, like I said, I, I agree. I think that sometimes, is, especially moms, I think especially moms of color where you feel like you just have to have it all together all the time all and you have to do everything perfectly. And especially when it's your career, you feel like, oh, they have to be well-versed <laughs> in every, every single right. thing that I'm <laughs> Right. And, I'm and conversely, you can't have them run up and down the museum. Exactly. Like, no okay. child that you <laughs> Right. If I work there, right. I'm looking at me like, okay, are you seeing your kids are the ones that... Um, so it's just to say that, you know, I do... So what I have been doing is looking for other ways to engage them. So for example, I know that my daughter does like to draw and I know that my, you know, so that, so I make sure that there's always crayons and colored pencils and construction paper and all different types of, I bring materials home all the time for them to be creative at home and encourage it. Watercolors, paints, you know, those kinds of things. And we have an art camp here at LACMA. So of course she's enrolled in art camp, but she actually had a great time despite, you know, her mom <laughs> running the department. But just to say that <laughs> I try and look, I, I've learned that trying to force them into a certain type of experience is, is probably not um, the best way yeah. in, but thinking about, okay, I know that Ella, my daughter likes to do X, Y, and Z. So let's think about this. Or like, if mm -hmm, there's a mm -hmm. certain type of exhibition, I'll bring her to that one mm -hmm. versus, and then my son, you know, was really into, like, he's my little museum buddy now. So he actually is kind of, even when he does run, it's a, it's a little crazy, but just to say that when he's, <laughs> he's working with me, then he actually is uh, a pretty good little museum date. But I, I've learned that it's, it's, I can't take him to every exhibition, that I can't take him to every, every gallery show and, I, I just have to be okay with that. But yes, I, I, I just want to be honest. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I really appreciate it. So so now I want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Stepping away from the kids themselves and more about you and how you look at parenting. I know that busy working moms, the, the concept of how you balance everything. I mean, that's sort of a, a regular question. And, and I don't, I, I actually like to ask a sort of different way into that concept. And that is that what kind of things that you do at work helps you at home? And then what about parenting helps you at work? Hmm, that's, a, that's a great question because I honestly hadn't thought about it. I think for most of us, you think about them as two separate, right? Like you have your, I think oftentimes we talk about them as I have my work life and, and my parent life. And even though as a parent, you're thinking about your kids every minute of the day. Mm -hmm. So of course the parent side also kind of bleeds into work, but you often think of like, oh, I had to leave my work stuff or my work life at the door, right? As soon as I walk in, mm -hmm. I would say, well, you know, especially because I'm in museum education and I'm around families and kids all the time. I definitely think about different ways to stimulate, you know, my own children or think about talking to kids or think about getting them comfortable with very complex subjects. Like we're always thinking and talking about how to take very uh, complicated exhibitions and explain them to children. So I think that type of exercise of thinking about everything from racism or sexism or, you know, any other uh, very complex topic and thinking about how to translate to children is something I, I definitely take home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But a little bit more than that, I think I've also learned less about this and what I do at work, but also ways to decompress after work before I come home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I've tried to, you know, if I obviously have time 
integrate either cycling or walking or some sort of exercise because that I need that like mental break from the stresses of work before I come home. Like I need, I realize that I can't just, all right, that I can't, but it's just to say it's, it's helpful. I can show up as a better parent when I have a moment to myself and whatever that, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes or 45 minutes on the bike. I've learned that uh, bringing that stress home is not good for anyone. So I've, I've learned to have that kind of balance between work and home. And then in terms of what I've learned at home and what I bring into work, I also, you know, <laughs> my my daughter is very smart. I'm not saying that because I'm her mom and I'm, you know, all that kind of stuff, but she's <laughs> oftentimes I, I just look at her and I'm like, I can't believe you're seven. But <laughs> I'll, sometimes I'll bring materials from home that we're developing for families or I'll bring worksheets home and she'll say, what is that? You know, she'll, <laughs> and she, she won't critique it necessarily, but I, I kind of use them as, as little, you know, tests, basically. I kind of was like, oh, would you do this worksheet? Or what do you think about this? Or, you know, that kind of thing. So they're my little, <laughs> they don't know it necessarily, but I, I do kind Your of. Your focus group. My, exactly. My focus group uh, for the, the materials that we're developing for, for young kids as well. So I, I definitely bring that. But I, I think in terms of, in bet- I, I'm really thinking about in between your question or, around what I do in between work and when I, you know, mm-hmm. kind of come home is is something that I've tried to define and or develop over the last several years mm-hmm. and to think about how to be both a parent and both a better executive. I mean, certainly we've learned over the last couple of years that mental wellness yes. is, is a really important thing and we need to focus. And this season, I've really been talking about parent wellness. We need to take moments because we'll, we're stretched at every end. All of us in this world have been stretched at every end over the past few years. If, if we thought we were before, we were really stretched. <laughs> We've been really stretched recently. So being able to take those moments, I mean, be they as short as they can only be or as long as you can afford them to be, it's just, it's critical. So I'm glad that, that's a good, that's a good, a really good answer. <laughs> so now uh, just tell me what is the most challenging? I'm so, I rarely get to talk to, and I want to talk more to moms at your age and stage with two small children. And, and you mentioned you have a, a group of moms that, that are all in the art world and you talk together. What's the most challenging? What do you guys agree is like the toughest part of all of this? Uh, how long do we have, Carol? No, um, I would say... <laughs> What I hear the most often, and I think what we talk about the most often is work-life balance, right? Our mm-hmm. our careers, whether or not it's in curatorial or education, or it demands a level of engagement and visibility, right? That you obviously are, you know, you're at the museum and answering emails or hanging your show or doing research or, um, but there's also trips, whether or not it be research trips or trustee trips or all the, it requires a level of engagement that goes beyond nine to five. And mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, trying to kind of figure out how do you strike that balance? What does that balance look like is the question I think that we're all asking. And also, I think, you know, Instagram has certainly helped a platform like Instagram has certainly helped to uh, make visible who has kids and, and what our lives look like beyond the museum space. But there's still that struggle of like how to make that work life balance happen. Right. So oftentimes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you hear people talk about or especially, you know, moms kind of talk about like, Yes, you know, I went to this opening or I flew to this, you know, biennial or I went to this triennial. And in your head, you're thinking, how did you do like literally, I need the breakdown <laughs> of how exactly uh, you did that. And so I think right. what we're doing now is kind of sharing 
more kind of like insider tips or even just giving ourselves permission about, okay, look, you know, the, the sitter is going to watch him for, you know, for this, for this three hours, but then, right. you know, we're going to do, we're going to piece it all together. And I think just kind of acknowledging that sometimes piecing it together is what needs to be done is, <laughs> so I would say that, you know, that the biggest challenge right now is, like I said, work-life balance and, and prioritizing mm-hmm. and knowing that in many of these institutions that we're often the only or very one of very few uh, women of color in very kind of senior positions. And so mm-hmm. there is, you know, this unseen and unseen pressure to be performing mm-hmm. at a certain level. And just so just trying to figure out how do you perform at that level, but still be the mom or still be the parent and partner and all these things that you want to be in your personal life. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I find is, is the biggest challenge. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. And I imagine that many listeners haven't thought of it this way. And you said it earlier, your role working in the art world is, as you said, it's not a nine to five. So much happens. There are evening openings. There are international exhibitions and fairs and things that no self-respecting, serious art person would not, I mean, I'm saying it like that because there's a real pressure that, you know, you got to be at this one and you have to (laughs) be at that one. And there is not only the making of a museum that you have to think about, but there's support for the museum that you think about. So it's not just your creation of what people come in to see, but your cultivation of people who will help support it because all museums need independent support. So it's sort of, it's akin to working in the music industry or in some sort of entertainment industry where Stuff happens all exactly. the time. I mean, you're not, it's not an office job exactly. by any stretch. <laughs> exactly. And so I don't know that people think about it that much. I mean, because of course, if you're in the deal making world, if you're in corporate world and you're making deals, if you're in banking or whatever, finance, yeah, you have that 24 hour clock, but there's usually a deal and then it ends. Right. But for you guys, it, it's it, like, it they're just, <laughs> it, 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 there's another show, another, you know, all those kinds of things to right, see. Right, and, right, yes. right. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of parent groups. And so yes. I think that for you guys, there are two good things that come out of it. One, they're actually um, practical issue solving kind of things. Like, you know, I I have to do this thing. You don't have to do this thing. Can I, you know, can you help me figure out exactly. how to care, child care? But also, and I think this about parenting in general, just knowing that there are other people that are struggling with the same yeah, thing. I totally agree. I think we're both leading to that same, I think there's a level of, of relief. Again, especially I think, and, I, and not to discount dads at all, but as my experience as a mom, I think when you say something out loud and, you know, there's just like this sigh, you know, that <laughs> when you admit something. So like I said, admitting that I don't take my children to every, you know, museum and gallery opening or show known to man. And when you absolved me, like there was like this, this sense of like, thank you, you know, <laughs> and there is that, you yeah. know, that need for community. And I think in my case, I just want to give a serious shout out, you know, to my, my village. I do have a demanding career and I do, there is this expectation that I'm attending certain things or flying to certain cities and all that. And none of that could be possible. Yes, my husband is amazing and, and my mom, like I said, lives very close and my sister and my cousin and all these things. But we also have, you know, a sitter that's with us every day mm-hmm. um, in the afternoons and so allows both my husband and I to do what we need to do and my children still receive the support and the love and the, the guidance that's necessary. So just want to say, I also just want to admit, mm-hmm. um, yes, that I, that I don't take my kids everywhere, but also that I am blessed <laughs> and fortunate enough to have that help. And I, I do want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that because I think sometimes, you know, that there's a reluctance, I think, to acknowledge that we have, that, that, that there's help in the background. And Oh, 
Yeah. Yeah, there there is that. I mean, we all need help. Again, <laughs> this is I, the the other thing that I think is of great benefit in talking with people about this is that people like you who are with young children and your vision of the child raising journey, you've got a lot ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. And so people like me who I you know, my kids are all in their well, one is out of her 20s, but they're all, you know, adults, like serious on their own living adults. And people like me can say to you, Yes, it's tough, but they are okay. I mean, there are ways to make sure you cover these bases, which are pretty low bar, <laughs> and and keep and keep worrying about it, and keep getting input from your friends in your village. And it, it there's no, and it will be fine. I mean, and that's that. I think we all need to hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not platitudes that are false. Right. I mean, I wouldn't say sure. Put your finger in the light socket. I mean, not <laughs> stuff like that. But <laughs> but or it's okay for you know no. <laughs> But there's some things that aren't okay. Yes, there is some no, baseline, but, of but it's but it's really I do think the power of community to, to to both give you good information, but also just and particularly as I said, older people who have been through it to say you know I mean you came out fine. I mean you know you did like I can tell you my kids are all great. I mean they're I just I say that with all of the um, bias of a mother, but all the pride of somebody who can you know see them as somewhat independent. It's not all me for sure, but you know, they're good people. Yeah. And so I think everybody can just take a deep breath. The thing is, the most important thing is that you're thinking about the process. Right. I mean, yes. you're not just freaking out about it and leaving it to happen. <laughs> you're thinking about the process. So that's the biggest takeaway. The group makes you think more about the process and, you know, be okay with how it goes. Yeah. So you're doing the right thing. Thank you. You're good. Okay, well, are we, am good. I allowed to interview you? Is this is this a joint? Because I was like, Carol, tell me all the tips. Because I was like, you're tell me everything. I was like, I need to. And this, maybe it's a separate conversation. Maybe we'll, 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 you'll, we'll you'll allow well, me to turn the tables on one of these episodes. I, I, I am. I am happy to do that, but I will say that uh, the reason, again, why I do this work is because the tips, I, I got all my tips from people. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I was in parent group forever, and I was never afraid to say to trusted friends or trusted colleagues, I wasn't sort of talking to the world about this, but <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do this. This seems like I should know how to do this. I don't want to hurt them. Right. <laughs> it feels like my not knowing how to do this could be bad. Right, right. <laughs> how do we How do we fix this? So I, I do think tips are really important. And that is why, I mean, that's why I have you on the podcast. <laughs> you have just provided a service <laughs> by giving parents tips. Next time they go to the museum, they're going to feel wiser and more confident so. and calmer. But I'm also curious, you know, I, I'm not I'm curious. I, I, and actually it's funny enough, I'll, I'll bring this up to my mom. Um, you know, the social media, what it's done to parenting, especially to mothers. I think we were talking about, you know, you kind of saying, you know, Naima, don't worry, you know, it's going to be okay. And you're, you know, they're going to be fine, all those kinds of things. And I'm just thinking about the impact of social media on parenting and how it's made, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of us feel uh, just because all, of course, all you're posting is are the highlights, right? So you're, you're posting mm-hmm. the trip to Disneyland, you're posting the, you know, all the things you're doing, right. And mm-hmm. so there's this, mm-hmm. you're watching other parents or other mothers, especially kind of make lunch perfectly every, you know, every day, or like they're having the, the fruit tray out when the kids get home, or mm-hmm. they make, mm-hmm. you know, the, the videos of, you know, the kids matching, you know, every single holiday and, you know, the perfect mm-hmm. family vacations. And you're just like, oh God, I can like barely get them in the car to go to, <laughs> you know, 20 <laughs> miles or whatever it is. And so it's just interesting, this, the dynamic that social media has 
I am so glad you raised that. And I'm going to do something that I have never done on the podcast before. (laughs) And that is, (laughs) no, but that is to say that this is going to be a two-parter because I'm going to stop us now because I want to close and, and, you know, but I absolutely want to continue this specific conversation I actually had in my thinking of what we talk about, this very topic. And so to me, it's worth another completely (laughs) different episode. And and I'll think about how to structure it so that we get some answers. I I work with Common Sense Media and we think a lot about the the sort of the research-based approach, but also the reality of social media. And there's so many questions you know, what does it mean for a parent to post their children? Mm-hmm. At what point do your children have their own? How, at what point are you creating a digital footprint for them? And, right. and is that a good thing? Or, so there's all sorts of, so I'm asking you now yes. in this podcast, will you, will you continue this conversation of with me, course. Naima, please? I would love to, actually, because okay. I'm, I'm very interested in this topic. So I, I would okay, love great. to do that. So, so we're going to do a part two. Listeners, <laughs> stay tuned for a part two. Thank you, <laughs> Great. <laughs> First of all, I want to say thank you so much, Naima. I knew this would be fun because you're the greatest. So it was great. <laughs> and so, and I'm sure that parents listening really appreciate hearing your advice, your experience, and it's been really helpful, like I said. But there's one more thing before we go, and we have to play the GCP lightning round. Yes. Okay. I'm ready. Your favorite poem or saying? To thine own self be true. Love it. It's con- concise and powerful. <laughs> your two favorite children's books or two of your favorite children's books? Ambitious by Mina Harris, mm-hmm. and I think it was I think it's called like Ninja Monster or something, uh, which is obviously not as deep. Um, but it's a completely different. Uh, I can't, I think it's like Ninja Monster. I think, but my son loves the book, and it's just about facing your fears, and uh, it's about a, a kid who is afraid to go to sleep at night. And a young boy who uh, was afraid to go to sleep at night. And he, you know, kind of learns to both face his fears, but also embrace those fears. And, and that the monsters are not really real, but they're actually these funny, goofy, friendly things that, that you can embrace. Oh, so we read it, I've read it a million great. times um, to the kids. <laughs> so it's like the first thing that popped in my brain since we're lightning round. Um, but I also, <laughs> you know, with, with Mina's book, you know, just kind of teaching my daughter to live out loud and to, to not be afraid to be herself and to not be afraid mm-hmm. to, to go after something. Um, is, is why we've read the book quite a few times. That's great. And so, Naima, thank you so thank much. Thank you so this much. Was great. This was awesome. And thank you. Okay. See you soon. <laughs> I hope everyone listening enjoyed this conversation and that you'll come back for more. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends. For more parenting info and advice, please check out the Ground Control Parenting blog at groundcontrolparenting.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Ground Control Parenting and on LinkedIn under Carol Sutton Lewis. The Ground Control Parenting with Carol Sutton Lewis podcast is a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartMedia. Until the next time, take care and thanks for listening.